We welcome those of you upstairs who are worshiping in our modern service. Uh, it's good to see you. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you for being here today. As well as of those of you online who are either listening to the podcast or worshiping with our stream, uh, thank you for being here as well. And of course, again, good to see everyone who's here in our traditional sanctuary. Today we're wrapping up a sermon series called Whatever It Takes. Uh, this was inspired by a question one of my sons asked me a while ago. He said, Dad, if someone kidnapped me, he'd been watching the news, you know, uh, and ransomed me for a million dollars, what would you do? And I said, well, I don't have a million dollars laying around, son, but I love you, and I would do whatever it takes to get you back. And I know that you would do the same thing for someone uh, that loves you or you love who's in a very difficult circumstance. You would do whatever it takes to help them out. And today we celebrate that Jesus does whatever it takes to win us back. We have been created in God's image, which means that there's a lot of goodness inside of us. There's good in each and every one of us, and it's great to see the great things that, that we all do in the world. God also gave us the ability to make choices, and sometimes we make bad choices that hurt ourselves and hurt other people and bring consequences into our lives. The consequence of guilt and shame and uh, doing the wrong thing and, and death and, and what the Bible calls hell, which is really broken relationships and being separated from God. So Jesus saw that and said, that's not what I created people to do, and so I need to do something about that. So he left heaven and he came to the earth and he became a human being while still remaining God. And he died on a cross, taking upon himself all of our consequences, our sin, our wrongdoing, our guilt, our shame, our death, and our hell. And he defeated those things when he came back to life. So that now you and I can be forgiven of the wrong things that, that we do. We can have joy and peace in our hearts and we can live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus did, did does whatever it takes to win us back. And in the Gospels that we'll see later today in our message today, we're looking at some scripture. Jesus says to all of us that he wants us to love each other just as he loved us to be self-sacrificing, to do whatever it takes to help other people discover life to the full in Jesus. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, was a pastor in the first century, went around starting churches and introducing people to Jesus, writes in the Bible that he says, I've become all things for all people so that by all possible means, some of them might be saved by God. So the question is, what are we willing to do to help people live life to the full in Jesus. And we've been working towards today for all of us who call South Park Church our home, whether we're here in person or we worship online, uh, we'll have a chance later today to make a commitment to serve God in 2024 with our time and our talent and our treasure. If you're new to our church, please don't freak out. We're not going to ask you to do anything. Uh, and we just encourage you to listen today to hear what we believe about being generous to God. But there are no expectations on anyone who's new. don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable in this process. So that's where we are today, whatever it takes to help reach people uh, for Jesus in the world. So, Well, we're ready for Thanksgiving. Who's ready for Thanksgiving? Everybody ready out there? Anybody honestly not ready for Thanksgiving, right? Okay, so we're, we're, there's food to be cooked and bought. Uh, there's travel to do. There's all kinds of things. Some of us are looking forward to seeing friends and family and stuffing ourselves and watching football on television. And some of us are dreading seeing friends and family and having to drive and all the hassle and hustle and bustle. And we're just praying, dear God, please don't let Uncle Al be the crazy Uncle Al that he is this, this week. 
so we all have some of those folks in our lives. So I just hope it's a good week for us. Uh, and I hope in the midst of this that, that we find some things that, that we can celebrate. Now, interesting quote that I read recently uh, that's going to come back to Thanksgiving. might not be at the very front, but let's, let's read this quote. This is from a 14th century person living in the 1300s. And this is what he was thankful for. His name was Hafiz. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look at what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. From a 14th century Persian poet, Hafiz. Hafiz, in the 1300s, was grateful for the sun. Because it lights the sky in all of its beauty. And we, we've seen that, right? We see sunsets. We see sunrises. Some of us get up at un, ungodly hours to go and watch the sun rise. And we see it sunset. And we look at the sun. And it's beautiful. And so, uh, Hafiz, this poet, said it's like the sun loves us. Because it gives us this beauty. Now, of course, the sun can't love us because the sun is, uh, is not a person. It's an, it's an inanimate object. Uh, but the sun does great things for us. It brings warmth and heat to the earth so that we have temperatures that we can live and, and survive and even thrive in. Uh, it allows photosynthesis to happen in plants, which does lots of good things chemically with oxygen and carbon dioxide in the world. And we have all this beautiful growth in, in the world. Uh, the solar winds, we can't really see those things that come from the sun protect us from deadly cosmic radiation. And so the sun, as beautiful as it is, also helps us live our lives. And maybe that's something that you and I can be grateful for this holiday, this Thanksgiving uh, weekend that's coming up. Some people, through history even, were, took this a step further than Hafiz. They worshipped the sun, the, the sun out in the universe, out in the sky that we see out there. And some of these folks uh, were like in ancient Egypt. Uh, some were Indo-Europeans and some even Mesoamericans, right? So all around the world, people worship the sun probably for different reasons. One, Thanksgiving, that, hey, we get light and heat from the sun, uh, some maybe out of fear that, you know, the sun goes down at night, might not come back. We got to keep the sun happy to keep coming back up the next day. Uh, and maybe someone got sunburned and was a little scared that that could happen again. That's a painful process, right? Um, but we all know, right, that the sun is great, but it's not something that we really want to worship, even though it brings good things to us. Um, and I think what Hafiz is tapping into here and, and some of these folks in time were, who were worshiping the sun is that, that we human beings, we are created to worship. We're created to bow down. We're created to adore something in the world that is greater than us. And rather than being the inanimate object of the sun, we believe that's, that it's God, that there is a creator a creator who made not just the earth and our sun, but all the suns and all the stars and all the universe and gave life to you and gives us breath every day and gives us sunsets and sunrises and gives us mountains and oceans and friends and family and food and holidays. And we have all these good things that come to us from God. And God is worthy of our worship. And we worship God as God comes to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we worship the Son, the S-O-N, rather than the S-U-N, the Son of God. And we owe God everything.
everything that we have is from God. And so this week, during the busyness of Thanksgiving, the hustle and bustle, the looking forward to family and friends, the dreading family and friends, all the travel and all the craziness, I just would invite you to carve out some time this week and to tell God what you're grateful for, to give God thanks. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for the sunrise. Thank you for the sunset. Thank you for the breath in my body. Thank, what, what is it? Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your pets, your dogs, your cats. What are we grateful for? And we can give God thanks and praise, right? Um, we can give God thanks and praise that he died for us and came back to life, right? And and, and like Hafiz said about the S-U-N, never says to the earth, you owe me. The Son of God, the S-O-N, Jesus, also never says to us, you owe me. Even though we owe Christ everything, he never says it. He never says you owe me, right? Because God's gifts to us are free. They're gifts. They're unconditional. There's no strings attached You don't have to do anything to receive them. It's a gift from Jesus because he loves us so much. Our life, our family, our friends, our salvation, our forgiveness is all a gift. And Jesus never holds it over our head. It's a free gift. And sometimes it's hard for us to accept something so great because we think we have to earn it. Right? Well, Jesus is giving me this stuff. I need to do something to earn that. Right? We don't earn it. It's, it's God's gift. I was talking to somebody this week that was trying to explain the good news of Jesus to someone. And, and they're just having a hard time receiving. Well, what do you mean? I don't have to do anything to receive this forgiveness? No, you don't. It's a free gift. You have to choose to accept it. Right? But, but for this person, it seemed almost too good to be true that God loves us that much. That God doesn't say that. That, that we owe God. And so I think a natural response to this grace, this unmerited favor, is to give God thanks. So here are a couple of scriptures that you might want to pray to God this week as we think about it. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. God is good and his love endures forever. Hey, we got one more, Isaiah 12, 4 through 5. All right, this is Isaiah A prophet in the Old Testament is writing about the future when Jesus will come to the earth. Okay, Uh, In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be shown to all the world, that God loves the world, and is sending his Son to save it. We give thanks to God this week. God doesn't say that we owe God anything. Now, as we read Scripture, we see that God does encourage us to do certain things. Sometimes He even commands us to do things, not to earn salvation, but because God wants goodness to keep coming into our lives. He asks us to do things which will bring goodness into our lives because God wants us to experience some of the good things that God experiences. Okay, let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Let's go first uh, to the, uh, John 13, 34 through 35. This is what I was talking about introducing the sermon today. This is the word of Jesus. A new command I give you, love one another. Now, that's not a new command. Love one another is in all over the Bible. But what makes it new is this. As I have loved you. Right, so this is Jesus. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. 
So Jesus says to us, love one another as I have loved you. Okay? So how did Jesus love us? He loves us. He was self-sacrificing. He gave himself to us, right? So we should, we should be self-sacrificing to help other people find out who Jesus is. Love is dynamic. It's a relationship. We receive love and we give love. Right? Well, when we receive love, it feels good, and it feels so good that we want to share that with others. God loves me, I love you. Right? You love me, I love someone else. Right? So love is a gift. We receive it, and we give it. We receive it, we give it. It's this constant flow. And so God says, I want you to love other people because it's going to be good for them, but it's also going to be good for you. It's good for us to receive love. It's good for us to share love. So what does that look like in your life? Receiving and giving love. Okay? Uh, from Acts 20, 35, Paul's writing this about Jesus. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remember, Paul's trying to help people come to life in Christ. Remembering the words that the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's a great message for Thanksgiving. It's more blessed to give than receive. Right? Receiving love is great. Receiving things are great. But it feels even better to give it away to help other people, the joy that we see when we give love to other people. And that's how Jesus encountered it. This is a verse that we saw a couple of weeks ago from 1 Peter 4.10, where we are encouraged to use our gifts and abilities to help other people. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, right? Jesus served others. He gave his life to serve others. As faithful stewards, right, we manage what God has given us, of God's grace in its various forms. So what Peter's telling us is that we all have been given unique gifts and abilities to make the world a better place. What are you good at? What, what are your skills and abilities? Right? Can you sing? Can you dance? Can you play a, a musical instrument? Are you a teacher? Uh, do you understand the laws of our country? Uh, do you paint? What are you good at? And whatever you're good at, Do that to make the world a better place. Use that to serve God. Use that to serve one another. We don't keep it to ourselves. We take our time and our talents and we serve God. And we do that in the church. Last week we talked a lot about the things that God has done in the midst of our congregation over the past year. If you weren't here last week, I know it was like a four-day weekend. I invite you to go back and see that. Like We list all the cool things that God's doing among us because of faithful people like you who volunteer your time, like the choir who sings, like the people who run our audiovisual, the people that work with our children, right? all the meals that we pack for people who are starving from Charlotte all the way to Haiti. Right? We're doing amazing things because you are using your gifts and abilities to serve God and other people. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we see that in 1 Peter today. Um, And we've also talked a couple of times also about another thing that we use to help God and help other people. And this is a a sticky subject, right? It's our money, right? We give money to help other people, to have food that they wouldn't have, to have a safe house who, when they've been rescued from human trafficking here in our city, right? And so we give money uh, to help advance the gospel of Jesus. Well, why should we give money to God? God doesn't need money. God doesn't need anything. God can do whatever he wants. God asks us to give money because it's good for us for, for several reasons. Right? One, everything that we have, including our money, is not ours. It's God's. We're managers of that. And at the end of our life, God's going to ask us, well, how did you use the resources that I gave to you? How did, how did you do that? So we 
take care of God's money? Are we using that in a way that helps God and helps other people? We're also created in God's image, and God is generous. And so if God's generous, that means that we're generous. It's in our DNA to be generous, to give to God. We also give to God to show God that you're number one in my life because money has power like nothing else on the planet to take our allegiance away from God to where we worship money and we worship stuff rather than God, right? If you want to know what people love in the world, what do we spend our time and our money on? That's what we love, right? Those are our priorities. And so when we set aside a portion to give to God, we say, God, you're number one in my life, even with my checkbook, right? Even with money. And as we talked about last week, when we give money to the church, it helps people in incredible ways. From here in South Park all the way around to people in Haiti and around the world. Again, we talked a lot about that last week. So I want to read to you another passage from Paul about giving financially and why that's important for us. This is what Paul writes in the second letter to the Corinthians. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, right? Not arm twisting or guilt tripping, right? For God loves a cheerful giver. Let's keep going with that. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Right? When we give to God and other people, then people are helped and they see God at work in their lives and they can give God thanks and praise and we can help other people discover who Jesus is. And so we have a chance to give and to receive love and our time and our talent and our treasure because that's who God is. And we don't do this because we owe God anything. We do it because God wants us to feel the joy that God feels in giving and receiving love in these ways. Uh, so right now I want to show you just a brief video testimony from a member of our church. Her name is Ellen. She has a lot of things at our church and a couple of things I want to highlight. She uh, volunteers her time on Sunday mornings to be in our Explorers classroom. That's our children birth through fifth grade teaching them about the love of Jesus. And she also is on our youth council. Uh, she serves uh, with our 6th through 12th graders uh, uh, to help them also know what the love of Jesus is. And so this is Ellen, and this is why she does what she does. Check this out. I just feel like giving back to our younger members really benefits us and them. And it's powerful. Just, just an hour or two can make a significant difference in their lives and determine whether or not they want to come back to church. Children really need guidance and they need support and they need positive role models. As adult members of the church, that's something that we can be providing for our youngest members. Young people need to feel like that they matter. And as adult members of the church, that's something that, that we can help with by giving them positive energy and our time and support. And it makes them feel like they want to come back here. And I think that's what this is all about. Let's give Ellen a hand. Isn't that great? She gives back to our children, birth through high school, because she thinks that young people need to know that they're important, that they matter to God, that God has plans for their lives, to provide them a safe place, right? a curriculum, opportunities to do fun things, and also to help other people. And so she volunteers with her time, talent, and treasure. And it's a beautiful thing.
So just encourage you to be thinking about what does that look like for you, not necessarily with our children and students, but in general, giving back to God because God is so good and has blessed us with so much. A couple weeks ago, my wife, Laura, my oldest son, Luke, and I went out to eat at Hickory Tavern. Anybody been to a Hickory Tavern? They're good. There's one near our house. Uh, and so my son, Nathan, was with some friends, so he wasn't with us. So it's just the three of us. And we went and we sat in a booth. And like most restaurants in Charlotte, when you're sitting in a booth, like you're, there's people behind you on either side. It's kind of crowded. They're trying to maximize the space. And so sometimes, whether you like it or not, you get to hear what other people's conversations are are going on. And so uh, sometimes you're more actively listening than others. Um, but there was, Laura and I had our backs to a booth of, of ladies and of different ages. Uh, they were talking and pretty soon our ears started burning. We couldn't help hear what they were saying, but then we kind of tuned into what they were saying. A little eavesdropping, I've confessed, your pastor's an eavesdropper. Um, but they were talking about church. And uh, they were talking, some of them were longtime churchgoers, and some of them are new to church. And the new people to church were asking the longtime people to church, like, do you know a pastor? What's it like to talk to a pastor? And, you know, our experience in this church that we've been going to, they sure talk about money a lot. And, uh, and they said, you know, I understand asking for money, but then they wanted us to make a commitment and to write that down. I think that's just going too far. And so Laura's like elbowing me in my guts, you know. She's like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And, you know, there was part of me that wanted to walk over to the ladies and say, well, you know, you were on the talk to a pastor. Guess what? I'm a pastor. And you, 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 guess what? Guess what our current sermon series is on? It's giving back to God. Do you mind if I sit down? Uh, I'd love to talk to you about that, you know. And, hey, you got to eat all those ribs, you know. Those look great, you know. Can we get some wings here, you know. Of course I didn't do that, you right? Who's this lunatic pastor that I don't know coming to talk to me about money? You know, it's so, but uh, I just thought the timing was interesting. And it was cool just to hear, like, you know, real people like you and me having questions about, well, why did they talk about money in church? And, uh, you know, I don't think we do that all the time here, but this is our sermon series to talk about, you know, serving God and things like that and making a commitment. And I, really, I was really thinking about that. You know, why do we, why do we make commitments? Why do we ask to make commitments to God. Uh, well, one thing's practical. You know, if, if you're going to serve in the church, if you want to serve in the children's ministry, like, we, we need to know who you are so we can train you in our safe sanctuaries. We can get you on a schedule. Like, there's practical things like that. If, if you're going to give financially to the church, it helps us budget for next year so we kind of have an idea of, of how much money we, we can plan to spend. And we don't want to overdo that or underdo that. So there's a practical component. But also, I think it's a little bit more like, I don't know about you, but in my life, the things that don't get done are the ones that I don't really commit to. Right? But if, if I make a commitment to do something, I'm more apt to carry through with that because I've made the commitment. Uh, if I've written something down or given someone a verbal commitment, I'm like, you know what, I, it, it takes it a step up to say, I think I need to do this. And I think we see it in, in different ways. Like I went to the dentist this week, and my hygienist, before I left, you know, she asked me, six months from now, let's make a, an appointment for you to come back. Right? That's a commitment. It has in her calendar. It's in my calendar. So it's written down. I'm probably going to go back to that. If I didn't write it down, I'm probably not going to show up at the dentist, so she tells me I need to floss my teeth more. Right? So like we, we make commitments. Um, when, when we do jobs like police officers or politicians or pastors or soldiers or teachers um, or attorneys or physicians, we take an oath. We make a commitment. I'm going to be 
the best pastor that I can, right? I stood in front of a, a whole group of other clergy when I was ordained to say, I, I'm committed to do this. When, when I married Laura, uh, we did that in a church wedding and we said vows to each other in front of people to say, I commit myself to you for the rest of my life. I'm gonna be faithful to you. I wear a wedding ring, right? So people can see, hey, he's committed, she's committed, right? Um, and so... There's something special about a level of commitment, whether it's, yeah, I'm coming back in six months to get my teeth done, or I'm going to be with you the rest of my life, right? When we commit to do something, it, it takes it kind of to the next level. Uh, and so just, that's what we do, right? We make a commitment. This is how I'm going to serve God in the church in the coming year. Uh, and I know that that can be intimidating. Uh, and sometimes, right, circumstances change, to where I'm not going to be able to carry through with my commitment. You know, maybe I lost my job or uh, I have to work two jobs now. I can't volunteer. We understand that. If you need to step back a little bit from that, you know, that's okay. You know, other, you might be wondering too, like, who sees my commitment? Like, when I write something down on a commitment card, I bring it up, who's going to see that, right? It's a very small group of, you know, office staff that see that. Uh, we let the people who know that you want to serve in their ministry, that you can serve. Like, the financial stuff is very confidential, right? So, it, that's kept only to a handful of folks, but it's us saying to God, hey, I love you, and this is what I feel called to do, uh, and I'm glad to make that commitment to you. Um, so again, if you're new to our church today, and when it comes to the time of the service for us to make our commitments, do not feel any pressure, right? We're not going to look at who does and doesn't do things, right? You're new here. No pressure on you at all, but we do want you to think about what have you been given? What gifts have you been given, right? You're with your time and your talent and the money that you make, and how do you give that back to God, right? Not that we owe God or we earn anything from God, but we've received, and so how can we share that wherever you are in your life, whether that's online, whether that's here? What, is that, what can that begin to look like for you? Um, and for those of you who feel led today to make a commitment, some of you have already done that. Some of you are online. You, you, can, you can call our church office. You can email us. Or if you're here in person, you'll have a chance later during the service to come up and place your commitment card. You can fold it up, keep it confidential, and put it in this basket. Uh, and that is your way in worship to come up and make a commitment to God. So that, again, it's between you and God. That's what we do, and, that, and that's why we do some of the things um, that we do here. So... Again, something for us to think uh, and to pray about. Well, one more testimony I want to show you. This is from Betsy. Uh, Betsy, like Ellen, serves with our explorers, our children, uh, grades uh, birth through five. So uh, let's see what Betsy has to teach us as well. I love to teach Sunday school because it's like a reaching arm of the church. And we can reach families and kids when families have a place for their kids to go that their kids love to go to. It's so much easier for the family to attend church. Almost each week when I teach, there is a basic theme, a basic truth, and a bottom line. Every week, something happens in my life, and I, have a, I call it a God moment. I think, wow, yes, that applies to my life too. So I'm not only teaching the kids, God is teaching me through this experience. Let's give Betsy a hand. Isn't that great? She's here with us today. Right? She has God moments where as she's teaching, God teaches her, right? So it's giving, receiving. It's giving, receiving. It's this beautiful cycle of dynamic love, and we celebrate that together. And it's just a special thing that we do as part of following Jesus. We give, 
we receive. Betsy also wanted me to be sure to say that serving in Explorers Ministry, if that's something you're considering, is fun. She's like, I was so nervous making the video, I forgot to say how much fun I have with the kids. So uh, I wanted to be sure and share that today. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think this is what it is. We do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus because we're thankful. We're thankful to God, right? Thanksgiving, right? We give thanks, right? We do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus because we're thankful. Jesus has been so good to us, and we get to do great things for God in the midst of that. All right, so I invite you to consider one action step. We've been talking about this, to make a commitment to serve God and people in 2024 with my time, talent, and treasure. What does that look like for you in your walk with God? Um, I'm going to invite our ushers. They have some commitment cards. If you forgot yours today or if you need one, if you just raise your hand, they'll, they'll bring one to you. Uh, and that'll be in both services. Later in service, during the last song, we'll have a chance to come up and, and give that to God. So if anyone needs one of those, you can just raise your hand anytime, and they'll be sure to bring that to you today. Um, we started out today talking about the sun in the sky uh, and how beautiful that is and all that kind of good stuff. And I did some research on that. And our sun is going to last about 5 billion more years. So we're pretty good on that, right? We, we should be okay with that. Um, but in about a billion years, uh, it's going to get so hot that all the oceans on the earth are going to boil away. So hopefully by then they'll have space travel and they'll be able to go somewhere safely. In about 4 billion years, the sun is going to begin to decline. It's going to turn into this big orange ball. Uh, and it's going to consume uh, Mercury and Venus, those two planets that are nearest it. And it's going to scorch the Earth. Again, hopefully they'll have space travel if humans are still around in 4 billion years. And then in the 5th billion year, it's going to run out of gas, out of nuclear fission or whatever heats the sun. And it's going to kind of collapse. It's not going to become a black hole because our sun's not big enough to be a black hole. I was kind of disappointed in that. But uh, it's going to become a white dwarf. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, still beautiful, isn't it? God's still going to have that beautiful sun that, that's up there. But it's going to come to an end. But the God we serve, the S-O-N, the Son of God, is still going to be going on. And people, if they're still around or wherever they are in the universe, are still going to need Jesus, and he's still going to love them. And as we have life to the full now, if we follow Jesus, when we die, we'll be resurrected, and, and we'll outlive our son. We'll live forever in the glorious kingdom of God. And in the meantime, when life burns us, it scorches us, Jesus is with us. When life is going great, and we're glowing like the sun, and, and we're glad... God's with us. Through the ups and downs of life for all of eternity, Jesus is with us, and he loves us, and he created us in his image, and that's good. And he died on the cross, and he came back to life so that we could live a life that is full. So I invite you to think about that, to think about committing to God, not to earn anything, but to say thank you, and to remember what the psalmist said, that we should give thanks to the Lord our God, for he is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.